0: Well, as most of you know, before I became a pastor, I was self-employed. I had two businesses that I ran. And you know, it was during that time that I was just so much learning about leadership. I was reading books, and I was going to conferences and seminars, and I was listening to cassette tapes. Remember cassette tapes? I had those. I was listening to those all the time, different leadership gurus talking about different things. And of course, then I had people in my life that were mentoring me, and then the own personal experiences I was having as I was leading different people. And you know, to this day, it's still one of the topics that I love to read and study about is how to become a better and better leader. But as I was thinking about it, I've been a pastor now for 23 years. I have never once actually preached a full series on leadership and what it means to be a leader. And so that's going to change today. We're beginning a brand new series today on leadership. Now, as I look out here and as I address those of you that are online, how many of you would say that you're a leader, that you know, you have some sort of leadership in your life, go ahead and tap it in the chat if you're a leader, raise your hand here, if you're a leader here today, okay, some of you are doing that. How many of you are going, you know what, I'm not so sure that this series is for me, maybe I'll just check out of Exponential for the next couple of weeks while you guys are doing this series, because I'm not really a leader, I don't have it, I'm not sure what I'm going to get, how many of you would say that you're not a leader, anybody, okay, a couple of people raising their hands, maybe some of you on online as well, saying, I'm just simply not a leader, But let me me change that perspective for you here just a little bit. One of the guys that was sort of one of my mentors from afar, he's a leadership expert. His name is John Maxwell. And this isn't the dictionary definition of leadership, but here's how he defines leadership. I put it on your outline that leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. Say that again. Leadership is influence nothing more, and nothing less. I mean, if you think about it, isn't that what a leader does? They influence people to do various things. And so as we think about it that way, all of us have influence, don't we? You have influence in your home. You have a little bit of influence at work. Maybe you're not the boss at work, but you have some level of influence there. You have influence in your neighborhood. You have some influence amongst your friends, So again, leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. So now with that being said, if that's the definition of leadership, now how many of you would say that you're a leader? Should be every single hand. Should be every single one of you online. Every single one of us is a leader. Why? Because we all have influence. And so if that's the case, here's what I think. I believe that as followers of Jesus, we should be the very best leaders on the planet. We should be the very best. Why do I say that? Well, here's what I put on your outline: it's because Jesus is the greatest leader of all time. You okay, can't get that's a pretty bold statement that Jesus was like the, the greatest leader of all time? Are you serious? Well, again, what is, what is leadership? It is its influence. Who has influenced the world more than what Jesus has? Why is it 2023 right now? Because of Jesus. Literally, his birth separated time into AD or BC and the AD. What are the two biggest celebrated holidays throughout the entire world? Two of them, Christmas and, we just did it last week, Easter. One celebrates the birth of Jesus into the world. The other celebrates his death and his resurrection. There's been more schools and universities and nonprofits and organizations and you name it, hospitals that have been named after Jesus and have been founded because of the cause of Jesus than anybody else or anything else in all of human history. Most of the the legal systems and the laws of many, many countries in the world are based around the teachings of Jesus. Or think of it this way. When Jesus was born in the world, the Roman Empire was ruling everything. But yet today, when you think of Caesar, you think of a salad. And Nero and Brutus are your dog and your cat. We name our kids what? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mary, Sarah, all people that followed after Jesus. So I mean no one, absolutely no one has had more influence on the world than what Jesus did, and so if we're going to take a couple weeks to look at leadership, we might as well learn from Jesus, the greatest leader of all time. So to begin today, we're going to look at a scripture that you probably wouldn't at first associate with leadership, but I think it'll make sense to you by the end of today's message. So look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Solomon, who was a great leader himself, he says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. In other words, whatever's in your heart is what's going to come out of your heart. And so when it comes to leadership and, and, and leading, one of the things you have to ask is, Why am I leading? What is the motivation for me leading? Now, unfortunately, as you read all the books on leadership and you go to the conferences and the seminars and you hear all these wise, wise people speaking about leadership, almost all of them, they talk about the what of leadership, in other words, what to do, and they talk about the how. How do you lead? So what and how? Very few people talk about the why. Why? Why? do you want to lead? What's the motivation behind it? Now, there are some people that actually talk about the why. One of them, his name is Patrick Lancioni. He's written a number of great books, and I've actually had the the pleasure of actually being in a couple of events where he's spoken, but he's written a lot about, and he's talked a lot about this whole why. Why do you want to be a leader? And again, how many of us are leaders? All of us are leaders. Every single one of us. Why? Because we all have, help me out, we all have influence. And so what Patrick writes about is that all of us have one of two motivations in our hearts for why we want to lead. So this means you have one of these two that I'm about to talk about here. So the first one is this. There's responsibility-based leadership. This is where you as the leader say, you know what, I'm responsible for my team. I'm responsible for my coworkers. I'm responsible for my family members. I'm responsible for my friends, my neighbors, whoever it may be. I'm responsible for them, and my responsibility is to love them and serve them and care for them to help them to achieve everything that they want to be in life, everything they want to accomplish in life. It's my responsibility to come alongside of them and to help them to do that, to influence them and to lead them in the proper direction. So that's responsibility based leadership. Number two, then, will be rewards based leadership. This is the person that says the reason I want to be a leader is because I want more power, I want more money, I want a a title, I want a higher position up on the org chart. I want the authority to tell other people what to do. And, And a person like this that has this rewards based sort of thinking, they say, you know what? I don't want to do like the little menial tasks anymore. I want all the perks, I want all the fun. Of leadership. And so I'll have all the minions, they'll do all the other stuff. While I sit at my corner office and look out the window and count my money. And think about how privileged I am to be a leader. So again, all of us in our hearts have one of these two primary motives for why we want to lead, why we want to influence. It's either responsibility-based. Or it's rewards-based. Little pop quiz here this morning. This is a really easy question. Out of those two that I just described, which one was Jesus? Yeah, he was the first one. He was responsibility-based. Jesus was never thinking about himself. His attitude was always, How can I serve other people? He wasn't in it for the rewards that he could get himself. Now, all of us even if we don't have a title right now of being a leader, again, we are all leaders, but we sort of have that desire that, man, I, I would love to be in, in more in charge of things. I would love to be having more influence. And I, I wish God would sort of raise me up to be a leader in my community, to be a leader in my church or in my business or in my family or amongst my friends. I wish God would do that for me. Well, here's our big thought for today, if that's Your heart's desire. On your outline. When I bend down to serve, God will lift me up to lead. When I bend down to serve, God will lift me up to lead. To be the very best leader that you can be, you have got to learn to become what's known as a servant leader. You've got to be a servant leader. And there is no better servant leader than Jesus. And so let's actually look at what Jesus taught about this. So if you got a Bible here today, you want to turn to Matthew chapter 20. That's where we're going to hang out today, Matthew chapter 20. As you're turning there to Matthew chapter 20, let me give you a little bit of context about what it is we're going to be looking at. This story is going to take place right towards the end of Jesus' life. He knows that he's about to die. He's going to go to the cross. And what he's been doing over the previous three and a half years is he's been raising up this group of 12 guys because Jesus knows that it's actually better, once he is been resurrected, Jesus knows it's better for him to go back to heaven and leave the mission then to these 12 guys and the other followers that he's been raising up. And so he's been taking all of his time and he's trying to convince them that, look, it's better to serve. It's better to serve. It's better to serve. You need to become a servant leader, but they're not getting it. You see, in the disciples' minds, they still thought that Jesus had come to be an earthly king. Remember that the Roman Empire is ruling everything. And God's nation, the nation of Israel, was being occupied by this foreign army. And they're like, man, we don't like this. And so they thought that the Messiah, when the Messiah came, was going to be this military leader and would rise up to be a new king of Israel and overthrow the Roman government. And so in their mind, that, that's still where they're at, that Jesus is gonna be this earthly king. And of course, when you become an earthly king, that means that there's power and there's money and there's perks and there's benefits. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're about. But the disciples, they just don't get it. In fact, by the time we get to Matthew 20, two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, are gonna have their mommy come and beg, beg Jesus to make sure that her boys are at his right hand and at his left hand. And that's where we'll pick up the story. Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 and 21. The mother of James and John came to Jesus with her two sons. She knelt down and she did what? She started begging him to do something for her. Jesus asked her what she wanted and she said, When you come into your kingdom, please let one of my sons sit at your right side and the other at your left side. She's like, look, when you get big and rich and powerful and famous, make my sons your top two leaders. One at your right and one at your left. She is sort of in this rewards-based leadership mindset. That, oh, my sons can be rewarded. They can rise up to power, and she knows that if her sons get to that position, it's going to trickle down to her as well, that she's going to get rewarded. And so she's like, Jesus, make one of my sons, put them at your right side, one at your left side. And Jesus has going, I don't think you know what you're asking for. And they're like, no, that's what we want. Jesus, please, one of us at your right, one at your left. And Jesus is like, you don't know what you're asking for. want you to think about it. And Jesus doesn't come right out and say this, but at the end of Jesus' life, who ended up in his right and his left side? Who? Two thieves. As Jesus hung on the cross, there was a thief on his right and a thief on his left. Jesus like, be careful what you ask for. You don't want to be at my right side. You don't want to be at my left side, but they don't get it. No, Jesus, we'll do anything. Please make us your number one and your number two. Skip down then the verse 24. When the ten other disciples heard this, they were what? They were they were angry with the two brothers. Now, why were they angry? Was it because of their like, oh, they these guys don't get it? How dare they? No, you know why they're angry? It's because their mommy didn't come and beg for them. They're like, oh, man, they got there before we did. We want to be number one. We want to be number two. And so they're angry. They want to be at the top of the org chart. In other words, at this time, all the disciples were rewards-based leaders. But Jesus knows this has got to change. And so he's like, guys, sit down. Let's talk about this one more time. Hopefully this time you get it. As we look on then at verse 25, Jesus called them together and he said, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Jesus, of course, here he's talking about the, when he says, you know, the the people that are uh, over you and they're lording it over you. He's talking about the Roman Empire. I mean, every leader from Caesar to the magistrates to the governors to the Senate leaders, every single one of them was a rewards-based leader. They were looking to build power for themselves. And why did they want to build power for themselves? So that they could have more power, more authority, more riches, more benefits. If that meant that they had to tear other people down, then, well, so be it. In fact, as we look at this verse... There was two words there. One was that they lorded over you and that they want the authority. Those two words in the original Greek are actually uh, compound Greek words. And the prefix for each one of those words is kata, K-A-T-A. And kata means to excessively come with force and power over someone else, to strongly dominate someone, to put them down. And Jesus is like, look, that's how the people of the world operate. They're coming at you with this strong force. They're they're putting you down. He's like, man, you, you can't let that be your motivation. That's how the world operates. And then I love the next four words that Jesus utters. Look at the beginning part of verse 26. Jesus says, not so with you. That's how the world operates, that they lord their power over you. But Jesus says what? Not so with you. How many of you are leaders? All of us, because all of us have what? Influence. And Jesus says, as a follower of his, as a leader, not so with you. You are to serve other people. You aren't to dominate them. So Jesus then, he he says, look, here's a better model of leadership. Look at the end of verse 26 and then verse 27. He says, if you want to be what? If you want to be great, you must be the, the servant of all others. If you want to be first, you must be a slave of the rest. So Jesus says, look, if you want to be a great leader, a great influencer, you've got to learn to become two things on this planet, a servant and a slave. What is a servant? Well, a servant is someone that's focused on others rather than for self. In the context of what we're looking at here today, a a, a servant leader is someone that says, look, I want to help you do your thing instead of you helping me do my thing. And this is, Hopefully something that I've modeled for you here at Exponential, even if it doesn't always make sense. I've talked about this in the past. We don't have ministries here at Exponential. We have five. We have our weekend worship experiences. That's something we sort of provide for you. We have children's ministry. We have youth uh, ministry. We have life groups that we have, you know, our... uh, discipleship types of things we do, like with small circle of, of discipling. So we, we help with those types of things. But then our greatest ministry is what's called You Matter. And You Matter isn't just simply that thing of, and I talk about this, that, you know, every day you should be going out and showing people you matter to God, you matter to me. And so you should be doing that, but that's just to get you in the practice of serving. What You Matter is really all about is that God has a unique gifting and a unique calling for your life. In a unique way, he wants you to make a difference while you're here on this planet. And so You Matter is really about you doing your thing, not coming into Exponential and doing Gilbert's thing. Because that's how most churches operate. Most churches, they have, here's the 26 ministries that we offer as a church body. There's women's ministry, men's ministry, the basket weaving ministry. There's the, you know, bake sales. And there's all these different things that they offer. That you come and you do our thing. But you know what that's often a reflection of? That's often a reflection of whatever the senior pastor, the lead pastor, his passion happens to be. And so it's come do my thing, basically, as the pastor. But again, servant leadership is saying, I don't want you to do my thing, in this case, Gilbert's thing. I want you to discover what is the thing God has called you to do. And my job as a leader is to come alongside of you and to serve you, to help you do your thing, not to do my thing. And so that's why we offer the Clasis class. If you haven't taken that yet, I'd strongly encourage you to do it. It's four different classes over a five-week period that we help you to discover. Here's what your gifts are. Here's the talents. Here's what your passions are. Here's the heart that you have. Here's how God is speaking to you through the Word and through prayer, through other people. And it helps you to discover your thing. And then again, my job. And the leadership's job here at Exponential is to come alongside of you and say, okay, what can we do to support you, not you come and support us? Does that make sense? But you need to do that in your life as well. And wherever you're being called to be a leader, whoever you're called to have influence with, you need to say, all right, yeah, we're, we're together in this, this mission that we're doing. And yeah, maybe I'm a, a, a the, the leader here. But what can I do to help you? How can I come alongside and serve you? So we've got to be a servant to all. Jesus says we also have to become a slave. Now, that terminology is very, very hard for us as Americans to sort of, like, grasp because of the history of of slavery in our country and how bad that was. And so many of you are going, okay, I I can become a servant, but don't ask me to become a slave. But I want you to stop and think about this for a second. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, aren't you called to be a slave of his? I mean, what is a slave? Well, a slave is someone that is bound to do what their master commands them to do. In Christianity, we would say it it, this way. It's the the, sort of the fancy word. Is we say that you need to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. What's that mean? It's the one who's in authority over you. I always say make him the leader of your life. But it isn't just simply that thing of him influencing you. That's part of it. He is going to influence you. But literally what we're talking about here is that he is the master and you are to be the slave. And as a slave, you don't get your way. You don't get your say. You have to do what your master commands you to do. We have to follow Jesus' commands. We have to obey his teachings. We don't obey what we want to do. And I've shared this with you in the past. All of us, every single one of you, here and online, all of us have free will and free choice of, do I want to follow Jesus or not? That is completely up to you. Do you want to follow him or not? That's your choice. What you don't get a choice in, though, is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus gets to define that. we have to follow his teachings. We have to obey his commands. You don't get to pick and choose. It's all about Jesus. And so you can't say, well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to follow Dr. Phil and Oprah and what they say to do. Or, you know, I, I, I believe what's on TikTok and on Twitter, what the people are saying there, more than what I believe Jesus says. I believe what Trump says. I believe what Biden says. That's who I follow. No, 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 no. We don't follow any human being. We don't follow any worldly philosophy. We don't follow any political party. We follow Jesus. He is the master, and we are to be his slave. And what Jesus commands us to do here is serve everyone, be a slave to everyone. That is not optional. That's not just a good suggestion. You are to serve and be a slave to everyone that you come into contact with. And if you don't do that, you'll never, ever be a great leader. You'll never be a great influencer because it's impossible to influence people like Jesus did, If you're not willing to serve people like Jesus did. In fact, that's what Jesus says in the next verse, then, verse 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I want you to think about your own personal life. Who have been the greatest influencers on your life, the greatest leaders in your life? Who have those people been? Was it a coach? Was it a teacher? Was it a parent, another family member, a friend, a pastor, a boss? Who was it that has had the greatest influence on you? And as you think about that, isn't it true that they went out of their way to serve you? That they saw potential in you when nobody else did? They gave you opportunities when it seemed like all doors had been closed. They invested in you. They spent extra time with you. They helped you to shine and, and not themselves. Look, don't you want to be that for other people? That when somebody asks that same question in the future of who had the greatest influence on your life, don't you want them to say, it was you, it was you? But Jesus gives us the formula for it. You have got to become a slave. You've got to become a servant for everyone. Because Jesus says, look, I, the very son of God, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve other people. Again, you and I are called to become more and more like Jesus every single day. And so we've got to do the same thing. So what are sort of some some sort of benchmarks we can sort of be aiming at? Well, real quickly, let me give you three. On your outline, the first one is this. As a servant leader, I must strive to make other people look good, not myself. There was a famous businessman who was a great leader. His name was Zig Ziglar. He was a motivational speaker. Some of you may have heard of him. Zig Ziglar had this quote, and actually I had it on my uh, business cards when I was uh, self-employed. This quote from Zig Ziglar, and he said this. You can have everything you want in life, if you'll just help other people to get what they want in life. Again, you can have everything you want in life if you'll just simply help other people get what they want in life. Zig Ziglar was a good Christian man. He understood this principle of, if I continue to serve and serve and serve and serve and serve, God's going to lift me up and I will get rewarded for it, both in this life and in the life to come. So take the spotlight off of yourself and shine it on other people, and God will reward you for that. Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be what? Be, be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You know that your motivation, that your heart for leadership is in the right place when all of a sudden you're shining the spotlight on others, when all of a sudden you're, you're serving people, you're being a slave to other people instead of asking them to do those things for you. Number two, as a servant leader, I must live for an audience of one. I've talked about this one in the past, that we've got to live our lives for an audience of one. You know, rewards-based leaders... Let me remind you, who's who's rewards-based leaders, who's responsibility-based leaders? It's all of us. We are one of those two. We're all leaders. But if you're a rewards-based leader, you think that your self-worth comes from two things, performance and approval. So how how am I doing? How am I doing? Right? My self-worth, how am I doing? Right? That would be if, you know, if, if every week, out in the lobby, I'm begging you, what would you think of the sermon? Was it, was it a good sermon today? Was it a good sermon? Right? What would you think? Because I want your approval, right? So it's about performance and it's about approval. Now, not everybody gets to be on a stage like I do, but we all live on this grand stage called life. And as a performance uh, or a, a rewards-based leader, it's all about, am I performing okay? And are other people approving of what I'm doing? Let's just face it, sometimes our performance sucks, doesn't it? I mean, I have those weeks that I don't have to ask you how the sermon went. I'm like, that sucked. (laughs) What's funny, though, is, uh, just as a side note, most of the time when I think it sucks, that's the weeks that you're going, wow, that was a great sermon, man. And then the weeks that I'm like, wow, I, I really knocked it out of the park today, you guys are like, See you next week. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't it true that your performance every single day isn't always up the par? Or am I the only one? Right? Sometimes our performance just sucks. And when it comes to the approval of people, people are fickle. (laughs) Sometimes they think that you're like Jesus Jr.? And sometimes they think you're the Antichrist. <laughs> and it's the same person. It just depends on what their performance is in the day. <laughs> so we got to be very careful. It can't just be about a performance and approval for, for other people. And so that's why I, I, I put this one on your outline in a way I've said it to you before. Live your life for an audience of one. Because on the grand stage of life, There's only one person in the crowd whose opinion matters. And that's not your neighbor. It's not your fellow church members. It's not your pastor. It's not your family members or your friends. The only person whose opinion matters is Jesus. Live your life for an audience of one. And constantly be evaluating your life of am I living my life according to how Jesus would have me to to live? According to his character, according to his conduct. Well, how do we know his character and conduct? That's why we're in God's Word every day, that we're reading about Jesus every single day. And, And using the Word as a mirror for our own lives to say, all right, here's how Jesus acted, here was his character. Is that look like me? Here's the conduct of Jesus. Here's the things he did. Is that what I'm doing? And as long as you can say that every single day, your character is growing to become more like Jesus and your conduct is becoming more and more like Jesus, that's all that really matters. Number three, as a servant leader, I must invite feedback into my leadership. Now, this is a tough one. Because listen, all of us want to be liked, and none of us want to be told that, oh, there's something about our lives that may not be right. I don't care who you are. We don't like to get negative feedback. We get defensive about those things right away. Now, listen, I'm not saying that you just throw your life open to every single person that wants to come up and just tell you this is what you're doing and this is what you're doing and you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't. I'm not saying to have everybody. What I am saying is you need to have a trusted group of people in your life, a close circle of friends, and not just any friends, but Christian friends who are living their lives according to the character and conduct of Christ that can come alongside of you and occasionally say, you know what? Here's a blind spot in your life that maybe you're not seeing. And that the immediate response isn't to get defensive about it, but to say, you know what, the reason they're speaking that into my life right now is because they love me, and they care for me, and they want what's best for me. And, and listen, uh, you know, we, we all need to be in a life group. And I have a life group that I have of people that speak into my life. And even with those people, you know, Bill's one of those people for me. That Bill speaks something in my life. Even though we've been, like, great friends for 13 years now, The immediate response is still, you want to put that wall up and go, no. But yet I know him enough and I trust him enough to go, I've got to pray about that. You need people like that in your life that can point those things out and show you where it is that you may be going wrong or if you'll never, ever become a servant leader. Now, with all three of these points that I just brought up, the, the two biggest things that are going to keep you from actually living these three points out is pride and fear. Pride and fear. I mean, I just addressed a little bit of that, that whole pride thing. We don't like to think that we're messing up and we're, we're not doing things Jesus would. And so pride will keep us from that. And then there's also that pride of, you know, that, that we want things, that, that reward of I deserve this. James and John in the story today. Pride. man, I should be at the top of the org chart. I should be there. So pride always leads to self-promotion. Fear then is going to keep you from being a servant leader because here's the thing. Any, whether it's your family or your business and organization, whatever it is that you're in, as soon as things go a little bit south, all of a sudden fear starts to rise up. We go into self-protection mode and it becomes about look out for good old number one and what's in my best interest. And so again, pride leads to, to self-promotion and fear leads to self-protection. So we've got to be very, very careful about those things. So I wrap up, let me remind you what I said at the beginning, that our big thought for the day is that when we bend down to serve God, And to serve others, God will lift us up. But let me say the exact opposite is true as well. If you refuse to bend down and serve others, God's going to straighten you out. We see this time and time and time again in Scripture. Prideful, arrogant leaders who God said, look, if you will not bend down in humility, I'll straighten you out. And that's exactly what he did. My point is simply this. One way or another, you are going to be humbled. Either you choose to humble yourself, or God will humble you. Now, which one sounds like the easier path? You choosing to do it, or God doing it for you? Man, you better choose to do it yourself. Choose to serve everyone everywhere. And so here's my challenge for you this week. Every single day, just for this week, find one person and one way that you can serve them in some way you normally wouldn't have. It's really not all that hard. It's a neighbor, it's a coworker, it's a friend, it's a family member. Just be praying every single day, God, show me one way that I can serve somebody, show them the love of Jesus. And as you do that this week, I think you're going to start to see, you know what, this is actually pretty cool. I should probably do this every day. Jesus like, yep, you should. And eventually it will become not just something you do for one person. It's something that your eyes are constantly looking And you're constantly in tune with the Holy Spirit going, how can I serve you? And how can I serve you? And how can I serve you? And if you feel the Spirit prompting you that, yeah, go ahead and do it, then you do it. You become a servant and a slave to all. And God's going to look at that, and he's going to go, that's somebody I can use. I will raise them up to greater and greater levels of influence. And maybe you'll actually get the title of leader somewhere. But even if you don't, it doesn't matter. Because titles don't matter. Titles don't matter. Live your life for an audience of one. The only title that really matters is that Jesus calls you son, that Jesus calls you daughter, that you're a part of his family. You've been down to serve others. God will lift you up. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the the model of leadership because you're the greatest leader of all time. You're the greatest influencer of all time. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would continually be in your word, reading more and more about you growing our relationship with you and seeing your character, seeing your conduct and going, that's, that's the model I want to follow. And Jesus, you yourself said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. So Lord, I pray that that would be sort of a motto we would have in our own lives, that it wouldn't be about us, but it'd be all about you and it'd be all about those that you've put into our path. We you constantly be looking for? How can I serve this person? How can I help to meet this need? How can I help others to achieve everything that they want in life? And Lord, just the same way that we talk about with money, that we can't outgive you, you're going to do the same thing here. As we continually pour out our lives, our time and our talents and our, our treasure to other people, You're going to pour back blessing after blessing after blessing in our own lives. If we will humble ourselves under your mighty hand, you will lift us up in due time. Thank you for that. Help us to go out and and be a model to the world of what it looks like to be a servant leader. Oh, Lord, man, our. Our country would so be changed, our world would so be changed if your people, and your church, the Capital C Church, would just model this. So help it start with us. Help it start with me. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come. And your will be done right here on the earth as it is in heaven. And so help us to live our lives just for you and for you alone. To be your servant and your slave. and A servant and a slave to all that we come in contact with. So that we may lift your name high, make your name famous and not our own. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.